Hey there, welcome to How I Got Hired, a podcast to inspire job seekers to find their dream jobs or reinvent their careers. I'm your host, Sonal Behel, founder of Supercharge and career strategist. And I hold a conversation every single week with a new guest who's had extraordinary career success. And today, I'm so glad you're here. I'm speaking with Dirk Dimuk. Dirk's story is probably like no other you've ever heard before. Dirk started out in corporate, like many of us, uh, worked at Volvo for nearly two decades in communications and reputation intelligence. Ooh, what's that? And now does something that you would not believe. I'm not going to give everything away yet, but I will say Dirk went from saving reputations to saving lives. And when I say saving lives, I don't mean like a joke, like, oh, you know, she saved my life, but like literally saving a human being's life and his company slogan is one day we might make the ride of your life i hope you're curious dirk very warm welcome to how i got hired hi sonal and uh, thank you for inviting me on the podcast oh my pleasure i'm um, excited about this conversation we have so much to talk about and yeah let's get started so so Dirk, tell us, you know, so before you started this company, Cool Express, and we're going to get there, you spent quite some time in the automotive industry, right? I said Volvo earlier. That's right. So talk to us about how you got this job at Volvo. You know, the, do you remember if you, you know, go back all those years, something specific about the hiring experience and the whole process? Absolutely, absolutely. It's a long time ago, but uh, mm-hmm. I still remember that uh, one of my objectives, my main objective at that time, was that I wanted to go abroad. I didn't want to stay in Belgium. I was mm-hmm. raised in Belgium, born mm-hmm. born and raised in Belgium. I had uh, a degree in finance and uh, a degree in communication. Uh, and I wanted to get away because simply for me, this environment was too small. And mm-hmm. I started to uh, apply for jobs. And, and the thing was that during my uh, study time, I had the opportunity to go to Sweden uh, at one point in time. And uh, I stayed there for uh, nearly a year, actually. Mm-hmm. And um, I had made some contacts there. And I visited the Volvo Group, uh, Volvo Cars uh, company uh, at the time a couple of times and, and oh, uh, this is when you were in college I was in college still wow. and um, so I had the opportunity of meeting some Volvo people um, and then when I came back and I thought like now I want to get abroad uh, I want to leave this country I'm going to take <laughs> contact with these Volvo people again and so I did and um, someone uh, from HR gave me a list of all their uh, companies, all, all the, the um, uh, facilities they had abroad. And, and they said, well, you can try your chances and see what, what happens. So I started to apply for jobs uh, at Volvo uh, everywhere in the world. And wow. after, yeah, after a couple of weeks, I think I, I must have sent like 60, 70 letters and, and uh, taken contact with people all over the world. And after a couple of weeks, I was sitting on a pile of paper, answers from every single country saying, well, thank you very much for applying, but no, uh, we <laughs> can't do anything with your profile. We're not going to hire you. Oh and I was kind gosh. of disappointed. And um, there was one letter that came back. Mm. Of all places, it came back from Brussels. And I thought, Gee, what, <laughs> what is this? 
<laughs> this and is that, the one you were trying to run away from. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and 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 in that letter, they said, "Look, we are we're looking for a financial profile, and it might be that that your um, uh, application would actually would actually fit. Um, so we would like to talk to you." And I thought, like, no, I don't want to go to Brussels. I want to go abroad. And then I, I thought, okay, I'm going to to see these people, and. Um, whatever happens, it might be a foot in the door. So mm. I, I, I see what happened. So I went there. It was a British guy who was leading uh, a company, uh, a department, um, which was taking care of sports sponsorship activities. And um, the guy invited me. And when I came in, he said to me, look, I'm, I've made up my mind. I'm not going to hire you because As you can see, there's all women working here in my department, not a man. And I can't have a man sitting between all these women. So I'm not going to hire you. But I wanted to have a chat with you anyhow. And I thought, bollocks. I mean, what's going on? This is wasting my time, you know? Yeah. And so I got into his office and we started talking about everything but the job. We started talking about life, about culture, about food, about uh, traveling, everything. And then... At the end, he said, um, so you have this financial profile. And I answered him. I said, I'm going to stop you because basically I don't want to do this. I don't want a job in finance. I want a job in communication because that's where my heart lies. And then he said, like, uh, oh, my, you're you're not even having a job and you're already uh, putting Mm -hmm. some demands forward. Mm -hmm. And I said, look, I'm just trying to be honest with you. If you hire me for for that financial job. Yeah, sorry for that financial job. Um, I'm going to stick with you until the trial period. And then if I can't do any communication job within six months of hiring me, then I'm leaving. So I'm just going to be honest with you. And then he, he started laughing and he said, okay, okay, uh, let's see. And um, we walked out and then he said, did I introduce you? And I said, of course not, because you're not going to hire me. And I said, well, let's make a quick round with the colleagues and so on. And to cut a long story short, I got hired into that company as the only man doing a financial job. And of course, at the time when he was talking to me, he knew that one of the the communication people, a lady, uh, was going to get married to a Swede. And he he knew for sure that she was going to move to Sweden. And then he thought, okay, then I have this guy taking over this job. And this is what happened, basically. So she moved to Sweden, got married, and I got the communications job. And from there, I have been working my way through the company, doing different jobs, going from uh, pure event communication, uh, sports marketing, to uh, general uh, public affairs communication, and uh, then ending up after nearly, uh, I did it for the last five years of my career, so 15 years, I spent most of the time working on uh, reputation intelligence. And, wow, um, wow. I'm I'm going to stop you right there. There is so much peeling the layers that we've got to do together. This is such fun to listen to. But at that time, sending 60 letters, which I'm guessing is by post, huh? you know, licking yeah, yeah, stamps. Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Absolutely. <laughs> so 60 of them. You just need one to reply, but obviously, you know it's a it's a it's a harsh world. It, it feels discouraging when you're doing that, and I love but the it, fact that you were in college, Dirk, when you were doing uh, you know this whole like let me find out 
it's never too early to start networking and you can you know people don't like sometimes people don't like the word we can call it whatever we want you came from this the other thing is you came from this curiosity mindset right let Absolutely. me find out i want to get out of my country whether you live in the us or you live in belgium yeah belgium is i know it's really small um but at the same time it's like there's more in there's more in the world i want to see more and that's where you were coming from and i i love it and when you said that lady uh, gave you uh, the you know the addresses of all the you know volvo offices she knew around the world did that also include like contact people absolutely yeah i got the um, uh, the addresses i got the hr uh, good this is the good old yeah. days of uh, no G- gdpr right <laughs> no exactly exactly i could and you still took get, yeah, you could still get a hold of these but it's it's a hopeful it's a hopeful thing because it's true i mean i i was very very disappointed because i i, I put so much work into sending mm. these letters and to to uh, make them to customize them for the country and and mm. so on Mm. but the the thing is also that i i took time to follow up and in these days it it took time it took weeks mm. basically yes. Yes. but then to to find yourself sitting on a pile of of no yes um it's it's frustrating but at the same time it's hopeful because it's exactly what you say you only need one and it was the wrong one because it came from brussels but then i thought well let's go for it anyhow let's see yeah. what what happens you know yeah and when you say wrong i'm putting air quotes like yeah it was the wrong one and and this is beautiful i had a i had a guest on the show a few weeks ago he did the same thing um and it was for uh, sony and he heard back from tokyo and he was he was completely kicked and he was a student and it was like follow up follow up but so much patience you know waiting for the postman uh but it took one it took one person to to reply and and you know did an internship Absolutely. in tokyo so so fantastic good for you and i want to say something here i'm very curious so you know when he said uh yeah we can't hire you it's all women i'm obviously if that were the case he wouldn't have invited you to the interview right i'm wondering maybe that was a test you know to see your reaction or something he Sometimes- was british he was british and he had great humor and and uh, still today i i'm still in touch with him uh, on, mm-hmm. on on a weekly basis almost uh, he's living now in miami uh, mm-hmm. he retired obviously but um, he had great humor and and for him this was the way to really knock me out of my shoes yeah. and then say yeah. okay i'm going to him in a different place now so he's not going to to let's say fake his answers um he wanted to see me for real and he wanted to have a real chat with me yeah. and, and it yeah. was great that no that i i love that. that it wasn't like one of those scripted conversations with no. you know classic behavioral questions and this is a great lesson i think to our listeners you're going to get those curveballs every now and then and people are not so interested in what you say but your reaction like your facial expressions and you know listening to someone say actually i'm not really interested in hiring you you know most people's jaw will drop right and and you can see the unhappiness on their face you were like oh okay you know you were not particularly happy listening but you were like oh, okay i also have certain demands and he must have been like what audacity what confidence oh i like him <laughs> I, i i was just honest i was just honest yeah. i thought if you're going to be honest by saying you're not going to hire me i'm going to, going to be honest by saying i don't want this job because i didn't want to be in finance and then then i think then the real conversation started because uh, it's true i mean the golden rule is to i i think is to stay true to yourself um and and not to be not to be uh, negatively disappointed but um, mm-hmm. to keep going keep yeah. going with the conversation no, and i like that it was a um, 
when you say honest i mean it was a level playing field from the get go he says he doesn't want to hire a man you say you don't want to hire in finance you're like okay <laughs> to yeah. the outside world it may look like okay the twain you know east is east and west is west and the twain shall never meet Mismatch. but but not <laughs> not so it ended up being such a beautiful almost a 20 year old marriage so yeah. <laughs> <laughs> talk to us about that so at what point dirk and why uh did you decide to leave the corporate world behind well it wasn't my decision that's the mm-hmm. that's mm-hmm. an important one the thing mm-hmm. is that uh at one point in time and i'm not going to go into detail but at one point in time uh, the automotive sector uh had a really really tough period um and uh, almost every competitor everybody in in the automotive sector had to make um yeah they they had to re- to to reduce they had to they had redundancies they had to make choices mm. of letting people go uh, the business wasn't going where where it should have been and so on and volvo group also found itself in a position where they had to lay off like 4000 uh, and more people and um it was a bit of um uh, bad luck for me because i was working in reputation intelligence and reputation intelligence is like in short everything you can you can collect and gather uh, that will make or break the company's reputation and being aware of what's going on out there what people are telling about your company and so on so collecting all that information doing lots of studies uh doing lots of talks to peer groups and things like that um that was a kind of a difficult job to be in when when companies need to uh, save money because mm. Mm-hmm. someone was telling me at at that point in time in the headquarters uh, someone was asking me he said you're in reputation intelligence tell me why we would save your job because we are a company that exists for at that time 85 years and more what are you going to change about the, the reputation we have we already oh. have our reputation mm-hmm. and i i said that's true the company has a reputation but it's it's even more important to safeguard what you have but they they couldn't listen to it they thought okay we have been surviving so many years without this job without this function so it it will work without this guy as well so i had to i had to to go basically so um and and that was a bit of a yeah i i was totally disappointed uh, after after almost 20 years uh, yeah. that I had to go like that they offered me another job in communication which was more local which was mm. a little bit um, it was more limited uh, mm. not so much travel not so international and so on and i didn't want to do that i thought like after so many years i'm not going to find myself in the corridor at the end of the corridor in small office coming in in the morning and then fading away and then going mm-hmm. home again and so mm-hmm. I didn't, I didn't want to do that and I thought maybe after 20 years it's about time to shift uh you know the view on 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 jobs and on job security and 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 on on new projects and so on and maybe I need to be more adventurous and mm-hmm. and just just say look I'm going to do something totally different without knowing what I was going to be doing and uh, at that point in time i discussed with them the possibility of working as a consultant for them and um my boss at the time he said well you know i can i can make you uh, work on a small project but this is not this is not going to last for long so you you definitely have to get out you know mm-hmm. and i said okay i'll take it no problem 
And uh, what happened in short is that I started a small project and, and this ended uh, quite, uh, quite soon. But from that uh, small project, there were other departments uh, soliciting for my services all of a sudden. Ah, oh, nice. Nice. And and from one thing you get into another, and uh, I must say that I have been carrying on uh, with small uh, consultancy projects for a long time. These small consultancy projects uh, were not going to to make my life basically, mm-hmm. but it mm-hmm. was helping me to keep uh, the head above water, so to yes. speak. Yes, yes, no, that's great. You take what you get at that point of time, and particularly Absolutely. when you you know when you leave on a on a good note uh, with your company, this is such a good lesson also, never to burn bridges because you know that conversation could have become quite a uh, quite a negative thing right hey give us a reason why we should save your job i mean anybody who's listening to that will get defensive and bitter right after all these years i've you know everything i've done for you and all the blood sweat and tears this is how you you know it's not a pleasant feeling right but obviously you know you uh, a reputation guy you also ensured you protected your own reputation and that paid off right it paid off in it, it multiple did. ways mm-hmm. it did and and uh, it i must uh, confirm that um it's devastating when you hear that mm. your job after 20 years of of mm. job security in a multinational environment where everything is provided for you know you yes. you basically if you come from this kind of environment you're not at all prepared to be out there on your own. Because all of a sudden, what, what I realized quite quickly is that when you leave a multinational company, all of a sudden it becomes much more difficult to get your hands on information. Because if you're working in a multinational, there is a lot of information flowing mm. from left to right, up and down, mm. all, all directions basically. And it's just a matter of being in the right spot at the right time with the right people in the right meeting room. And the information is flowing. But once you get out there, you're mm. literally on your own. What mm. do you do with, with with news? What do you do with subscriptions? What do you do? I mean, all these things yeah. cost so much money. Yeah. In in a corporate world, this is taken for granted. This is know? taken for granted. No, that's really true. Uh, but good for you. Good for you. You, you dived in. You know, you were like... Um, I'm not I wasn't sure. scared. I wasn't scared to be yeah. on my own. And you know, yeah. when when someone says, "Oh, what are you going to be doing?" and I didn't yeah. know at all, and I said, "You know what? I'm going to be consultant." I didn't know what what I was going to be doing, but I, okay, I'm I'm going to be a consultant. Yeah, it comes back to that same curiosity mindset that you spoke of at the beginning. You're like, I don't know, but I'll figure it out. Yeah, absolutely. <laughs> I'll be fine. And people are coming from a, you know, they're coming from a good place. But those type of, uh, you know, repeated questions don't always help. Hey, did you find a job yet? Hey, don't worry about me. I'm fine. <laughs> exactly. exactly. <laughs> so I love that. So let's talk about Cool Express. So before we get into it, t- tell our listeners here, what is this company? And how did you come up with this idea, you know, what planted the seed. And, and we want to hear all those juicy details, Dirk. Okay. <laughs> well, the, the, the fact is that um, there's, there's a lot of uh, angles that I, mm. uh, that I can talk about. Uh, but one, one of the, the main things is that I have been living uh, in, in transport uh, for many, many years with, uh, with Volvo Group. And yeah, I would yeah. say transport is in my blood. Mm. Um, cool Express is a transport company. Um, and now you can say, okay, transport companies, there's so many of them. Uh, what, what is Cool Express about? Mm. Just cool a, Express- a quick, uh, I'm just going to interrupt you for a second. So for our listeners, Cool Express. So Cool, uh, C-O-O-L and Express is with an X. 
Yeah, so just that's right. X, so, X and press. Got it. X okay. and press. Yeah. Mm-hmm. So what I what I wanted to do is, uh, and I'll get to the start of of the, of the story because that's much more interesting than the end of the story. But what I wanted to do is find a solution for transporting um, medical medical tissue, medical fluids, um, blood, organs, uh, human tissue, uh, and so on. I wanted to find uh, a solution for quick transportation, but temperature controlled. What made and you come up with this, Dirk? <laughs> very strange, very strange. You know what? When, when at certain points in time in our life, you get to a situation where you think like, now I hit rock bottom. Because mm-hmm. when I started um, uh, as a consultant, uh, I got into a divorce at the same year. Mm-hmm. So basically, I, I lost my job. I started as a consultant, not knowing where I was going to go. And uh, at the same in the same year, um yeah i'm not going to go into mm-hmm. details but mm-hmm. that's that's mm-hmm. the way it sometimes goes mm-hmm. i i got into mm-hmm. a divorce and mm-hmm. um one night i was home alone mm-hmm. and um my garage was open and uh obviously there was space for two cars but there was only one car inside and um i i was making a walk outside around the house in the street and i came back home on the driveway and i saw the garage and i thought bollocks i mean how could she do it leaving me mm. uh, because now i i have a look at this garage it's half empty and and mm. then all of a sudden i thought half empty but wait a minute i have been riding a motorbike for many many years and i got rid of it when the kids were born mm. and i thought i'm never going to ride a motorcycle again and all of a sudden at that moment, I thought, hey, I could have a motorcycle now because now I'm on my own. I don't need to, to, to um, yeah, to, I have no responsibility whatsoever to say, why am I doing this or why am I not going to be doing that? I just go for it. And I, I decided at that point in time to start uh, riding a motorbike again. And one week later, the motorbike was in my garage. I started driving a lot with the motorbike and it gave me a, a huge sense of freedom. It, it really was, was very calming for my mind. And, yeah. and it's almost meditative, isn't it? It is. It is. Mm-hmm. And what happened is that at one point in time, I find myself in traffic jam. <laughs> And with a motorbike, is no problem because you go in between traffic. Yeah, uh, yeah you wind very... you wind in and out. <laughs> and yeah, people, exactly. People but... are so jealous around you. <laughs> <laughs> At that point in time, they are. Yeah, not not when it's raining, but uh, when yeah. there's traffic jam. Yeah. Yeah. The thing is that I I gently you go through through traffic and. Um, I got into uh, Antwerp and there is a, this big tunnel there and yeah. uh, the big traffic yeah. jam. Yeah. And I could actually go in between traffic slowly. And behind me, there was an ambulance. And this ambulance was uh, having the, the, the blue lights and the sirens and all yeah. uh, that you can have. And they didn't get through. Yeah. And I thought like, that is really, that, that is a, a, that a disaster. Yeah. Yeah, because the, the person who is in there, this, yeah. this is really a problem. And then I thought, uh, whilst I was driving, I thought like, in this sector, things must be possible with so many other, th- so many other products as well. I mean, not a patient, but there must be stuff that you have to move from A to B, medically urgent, and you don't want to be hampered by a traffic jam. And then I thought, why not use the motorbike? And um, I came home, I called a friend of mine who uh, is a doctor in the, in the university hospital in, mm-hmm. in, in Ghent. Mm-hmm. And he told me, he said, oh, listen, they have tried it before, but it doesn't work. I don't know what doesn't work, but I know they tried it before with motorbikes. And I said, who do I talk to? 
And then he, he, he gave me a name uh, from someone in the Red Cross. And uh, I contacted this person. And that person told me, he said, yeah, we've tried it before to transport blood products. Um, mm -hmm. But the thing is that these need to be transported on temperature. They need to be temp temperature controlled. Mm -hmm. And then I thought like, so what's the problem? He said, with a motorbike, it's, it's not possible. And I thought like, how do you mean not possible? I mean, mm -hmm. I go to, to, a small, to a small electronic supermarket, I buy a small fridge, I put it on the motorbike and I just make it work. And, and then I can temperature control transport mm -hmm. and the, the, the substance is not taking so much space. So that's possible. And I was all of a sudden triggered and I, I, I just uh, dived in uh, to, mm -hmm. to see what, what was possible. And in the months after that, um, I looked into patents. I thought, who has been working on this problem before? And how come this has never been solved uh, yeah. in any way earlier? And I did a patent research uh, and came up with the fact that there, all over the world, uh, here and there, uh, there was someone who thought about this. Uh, someone thought about transporting insulin because he was a mm. diabetes uh, patient and mm. uh, transporting insulin cooled on the motorbike and so on. But they never got any patent granted. And I thought I need to, to, to be really good at this. I need to dive in. I need to do lots of research and work out a, a, a valid solution that will get granted uh, for a patent. And that's what I did. And the months oh, after... My gosh. I worked on that and uh, yeah, again, to cut a long story short, I developed a box which is temperature controlled, which can heat and which can cool. And this box is mounted on the motorbike. Um, it's uh, sufficiently working on its own for about five hours. And you know, in Belgium, if you go from, from the coast to the Ardennes, it's three hours and you, yes. you pass the country. Yes. So I don't need more. And if I get to my five hours, I can still use electricity from the bike uh, to charge the batteries again from from the box. So basically, it's it's uh, twenty four seven running on its on its own. Um, it's um, yeah, it's it's a cool it's a cool product. And then I went back to the literally Red Cross. literally cool product. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> I went back to the Red Cross and these guys, they said, we want to see it. And so I went there giving a demonstration and then they said, uh, we want this. We want this. Uh, and you bike. developed it yourself, Dirk, that box? Uh, not not totally, because mm -hmm. I have been working together with um, a company uh, that was building uh, stages like uh, the, it's a company that is working for uh, entertainment parks, events, yeah, events, yeah, yeah. you know, uh, building stages and, and yeah. backdrops and what have you. But they have all the tools that you need to to create something from scratch. Amazing! And, uh, oh my gosh! I worked with some engineers. Yeah. Uh, with with uh, yeah, I I took contact with uh, two big companies in the world that are making refrigerating stuff for yeah. uh, trailers. And uh, no one was was willing or able to help me. And then one lady said to me from from a, a big American uh, cooling company, she said, "Look, I can't help you, but why don't you take contact with someone in our, uh, you know, uh, maintenance facilities? And uh, there is one close to where you live, and just go there and, and and ask for someone." And I thought, okay, that's the way to do it. So I did. And I got to speak to a very, very nice guy who, who knew everything about it. And he helped me through in the first couple of months to, to find the right um, cooling technique and things like that. Wow. Yeah. So uh, that's how I came around to start um, Cool Express. So Express from being fast and cool from uh, cold. Yes. 
Um, and then uh, we started working for uh, the Red Cross, uh, going from um, the blood banks uh, where they collect all uh, blood and then uh, to deliver uh, the hospitals um, in, in Belgium. And we have about uh, over 100 hospitals in the routine. Good Lord. And, and I have to say this, you are the one transporting, Dirk. Well, the thing is that I, I started off on my own, totally, yes. totally on my own. And, for, a few, and for a few years. Uh, I started uh, the first year was like uh, totally uh, on the in, on the road on the road exactly mm. and doing telephone uh, doing my administration mm. uh, doing the transportation uh, taking contact with people maintaining uh, relationships Red Cross hospitals what have you and that's a tough period it is literally a tough period and still today um, of course I, I I have been growing uh, today we we manage about uh, 250 300 rides a month and um, what's happening is that I've been um, I've been hiring uh, some people I have been recruiting independent people that can drive for me so we are um, roughly 12 15 people in total. Uh, today but uh, the one thing I still need to do on my own is my dispatching so there is only one phone number people call me I'm actually on call right now so yes yes call me in, exactly in okay I'm gonna pause you for a second because we before we before we clicked record uh, Dirk told me and then he said hey listen I just want you to know I'm on call and I said okay no problem you know if it rings it rings because hello it's somebody's life and I think it's a little more important than a podcast interview <laughs> so <laughs> two so that's like eight rides a day because but you just said it that's heck of a yeah. lot and i i want to just uh peel back a second when you were like you know you said you you were like looking at that garage and you had that sinking feeling and anybody who's been through a process whether it's losing a job or a marriage breaking we've been there that low point you're talking about we've been there right mm -hmm. you, there's something very symbolic about what you said you were looking at a garage and there was only one car there and you were like, what the heck? Um, and we also feel sorry for ourselves, right? You're like, hey, why me? Why, why is this happening? Instead, subconsciously, maybe there was also this moment where, yeah, but it's, you know, like half empty, half full. It's actually half full. So good for me. I still have a car. Half empty. It's high time. I go back to that childhood dream of a mobile again. And you went and got the bike. Um True. Which, you know, and you said, you know, you're winding in and out of traffic, which is a cool thing you can do with with a, a two wheeler, which you cannot do with a car. And I know which tunnel you're talking about because I used to commute regularly. And that tunnel is not fun, particularly after 5 p.m. You're just like basically just, yeah, just forget okay. about life and just meditate in that because you're not going anywhere. <laughs> and I want to say this, you know, those light bulb moments which we have, and anyone who's listening, you've had it at some point or the other, but to be open and to be aware, like, hey, is this, this is Eureka, this is actually going on. In your case, light bulb moment happened on that bike that you love, in the middle of traffic that you don't love. It just came. Sure. And I love the fact that it was literally an alarm uh, in, the, in the sense that siren, yes, from an ambulance, but it was a loud light bulb moment for you you know like I can imagine a, a very loud ambulance behind me and you're like hey this is a problem and I could solve it and the other thing I love is that you heard no from so many places in the beginning which is always going to be the case when we have a new idea because people don't know what to say to you and they just think it's safe to say no because they don't want to you know 
they don't want to see you unhappy or or heartbroken and just to be told no again later let's just tell you no right now so you can just get out of my face <laughs> so yeah. you were like yeah okay but i think i'm curious you know it coming back to that curio- curiosity thing again um you know it made yeah. me think of uh, i was uh, reading this um a uh, book on Steve Jobs uh, mm-hmm. and uh, at one point in time uh, he was the one saying like people don't know what they want you have yeah. to sell them something and make them believe that this is what they need yeah and and i i thought back many times when people said to me no it's not possible no we tried but it doesn't work and so on and i thought like if i can do this in in a smart way uh, of course people say no because they have no view on how it will look like they have no idea on how it will operate how it will work now solve these issues and then go back to these people and then say this is what you need and when they saw it i mean the red cross they only saw the bike once and and the box was my my um first uh, tryout so to speak yeah. so it, it was far from perfect but it did what it had to do and then yeah. they all of a sudden they see it and then they saw like oh this is what we need yeah exactly maybe, this is the yeah. minimum viable product and and that's it um the interesting what you said about steve jobs because sometimes you know people don't know what they want and you're creating a need which you know where there will be resistance because people don't know that True. um and you're pushing through and and the minimum viable product it just tells me you know so the first client was red cross and i want to get to that in a second um ultimately we think of companies as buildings right where it it is essentially one person in red cross who saw you who saw the product he said there's something here i'm going to go for it and it's yes the product is important yes it has to be functional it has to work but they were investing in you dirk right with a with the passion that you brought in and people always say that like we investing in it because of the founder the thing is that you 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 have to believe in in what you're up to and of yeah. course i mean if yeah. you if you listen to my story i mean i was a big believer of it and i i i was really really going 500% to 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 get to my goal and when you are in that kind of mind state of mind then it is um not so hard to persuade it's the people. sky is the limit no the power of conviction right if you're convinced it. 500% it's not that hard to convince other people that's it that's fantastic it. and you know and all those things we see those obstacles hey you don't really have a medical background like why should we listen to you or you know hey i've never done this before all of that is less important because your mission your why is so crystal clear and you know talk to us about so your first client was the red cross yeah and how did you land your first how did you get hired by your first client do you remember that story Well the thing is that uh, when I went there um I vividly remember yeah when I went there with the motorbike then uh, all of a sudden I could see that they were totally convinced and they thought like this is exactly what we need and we have been trying with the other motorbikes with a box on there but that box wasn't capable of doing anything I mean my box is is temperature controlled it's communicating it's uh, collecting data uh, it, it's doing so many more things than than what they could have dreamed of and the the fact was that they said we we would like to give this a try and the trial um took like 8 months and i wasn't prepared for that i mean i i never saw this coming because they said look we we want to give this a try but we are going to make test runs uh with different uh, products different mm-hmm. blood product mm-hmm. and uh, the fact is that um this is 
time consuming. I had to drive around uh, with different products and different temperatures, different situations. We we did a lot of testing on uh, the time because uh, time is of the essence. Uh, if a patient ends up in a hospital and is urgently in need of mm. a certain type of blood, mm. then we we have to make sure that we are delivering on time. Uh, so these kind of things need to be tested uh, with the motorbike. How much time do we actually gain? How much time do we save? Uh, and so on. And one of the, the interesting things was that we could then see that the motorbike becomes available more rapidly than a car because the car gets stuck a little bit and yeah, then they yeah, deliver. Yeah, yeah. But then it takes equally the time to get back. And with the motorbike, we have a turnaround that is much faster. And all these kind of things ended up um, on the on the desk of the, the, the guys at the Red Cross. And they said, look, this is absolutely what we want. So, yes, we're going to hire you. In the meantime, I was like eight months further down the road and I had yeah. been spending quite a bit of money. Yeah, I was going to ask you, when people say we want a trial, usually they mean it's a free trial. So Duke, yeah. were, were you getting paid? No, I wasn't getting paid. Oh, wow. This is nope. amazing. The courage because eight months, like. <laughs> yeah, I in, I invested. Uh, your private, your, your personal finance. Yeah, yeah, yeah absolutely. Yeah. Absolutely. Wow. And I, I never had, honestly, I never had any thought about it. Like this is a risk and maybe mm-hmm. I shouldn't do it. And so mm-hmm. I just jumped and I just went for it because I believed that this yeah. was going to help them. And also the fact that they said, look, we are going to, to test run. Um, it, it means that they are serious as well. And, and then it's, it's the time to, to, to be there. You know, yeah. I, I just had to deliver. Yeah. And and I couldn't ask this question like I'm going to lose so much money if this is going if this is not happening and so on. I couldn't, so I just did it, and yeah. I was so happy I did because after uh, after eight months, they then uh, gave me a call and said, "Look, um, this is the time to discuss a contract and so on." And uh, and then I was off. And, yeah, and, and then you proved you proved everything, and now you said what three hundred hospitals. No, the 300, 250 to 300 rides a day and yeah, over yeah. 100 hospitals. Over uh, 100 hospitals. Yeah, we're, we're in, we're in yeah. Belgium, so uh, <laughs> 300 is a bit yeah, too yeah, many. Yeah. But uh, yeah. over 100 hospitals, starting from Red Cross to over 100 hospitals, those eight months of hard work. Um, well, the, the thing is that the hospitals are not, not my clients. Eh? The hospitals, mm-hmm. they work through the Red Cross. So basically, yeah, yeah, you, yeah, yeah. you have to yeah. imagine, yeah. I, I, I don't discuss with, with hospitals. They discuss directly with the Red Cross. Which is, um, which is, which is a lot more cleaner, right? Yeah, yeah <laughs> absolutely. It's, it's easier. And the thing yes. is that the, the Red Cross has this kind of monopoly on blood products. So uh, yes. Yes. there's not so many. For that. Yeah. It's yeah. definitely yeah. B2B. There's not so many customers in this world. Got uh, it. No, I got it. No, that's, that's, yeah. uh, that's amazing. And, you know, coming back to what we said in the beginning we're circling back it's quite interesting you were like i'm dying to get out of belgium like i want to get out but ultimately in this particular entrepreneurial venture belgium being a kind of a really tiny country it actually helped in the sense the transportation part do you know what i mean because from the coast to the 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 hills in the south Mm -hmm. it's three hours it's the same country do you know what i mean Absolutely. <laughs> it's a small country, very densely uh, occupied, basically. Correct, correct. And, and this is where we need this kind of transport exactly, solution. Exactly. Because exactly. we are all standing still in traffic uh, with, with cars. Yeah, yeah, no, exactly. So, wow, I, I, um, I'm blown away and I'm tipping my hat <laughs> to you <laughs> as we speak. I, bravo. Um, so, you know, Dirk, with everything going on in the world today, Let's talk about job seekers for a moment. 
they have access to so much job uh, they have access to so much uh, advice right and there's a lot mm-hmm. of noise out there some people say hey look for a job somebody says do a side hustle start something part time someone who's listening right now and is a little bit like overwhelmed with everything going on in terms of what they listen to but also you know the news and you know the recession etc if you could tell them one this listener right now one person if you could tell them one thing to mm-hmm. up their chances what would that be there well the the thing is that at one point in time and i still remember that i was sitting in exactly the same situation of of having to mm. find something for yourselves and not knowing exactly and you hear so many voices and there is a kind of an anxiety that that comes over you i mean at one point in time you you feel this anxiety over the fact that you need to act and my advice is basically totally the opposite uh, at one point in time you should do nothing absolutely nothing mm. and take a bit of time think be mindful you know it it almost sounds like meditation but it's not exactly that but if you can go for a walk go for a drive spend time in nature you know all these kind of things and get inspired i think that is that is what probably helped me the most is by taking some distance from your situation taking some distance from what's around you what's your purpose why are you here i mean all these kind of yeah. big questions but it it's true at that point in time do nothing and get inspired reading books has helped me a lot not to come to any business idea but but just to learn from other people's experiences and and that can be in many different areas it doesn't need to be in your area of expertise but but just read about people what they lived through what they what they experienced and so on and how they handled it for me taking a step back and not staying within the anxiety or not staying within the urge of i need to find a solution now you're never going to find it that way i think taking a step back and looking at the world around you might land you in a totally different area than you were used to. I mean, look at me, finance, communication, and at the end of the day I'm I'm running a transport company and blood products. <laughs> you are living proof that this is possible. Oh gosh, you know what? This is funny because about, you know, a year ago when the when the pandemic started, right? There was a shock in the beginning. And then people you saw this a lot on social media. Hey, you know, um so many f- huge uh, companies started in the last recession of 2009 you know whatsapp and slack and hey what are you doing with your life take up a course do this do that i remember being very tired of it and i remember posting on linkedin hold mm-hmm. on calm calm the heck down right uh, if uh, so this is interesting cuz isaac newton um who discovered gravity right he was studying i believe it was either oxford or cambridge <laughs> one of the two and there was a a pandemic in the 1600s and they were told to study from home and he was sitting under a tree just generally pissed off with life and just thinking and the apple fell on his head yep. like how on earth did it? so sometimes if we don't sit under the tree figuratively speaking mm-hmm. those ideas don't necessarily come to us because we're not receptive we're not open right so mm-hmm. you are um, you know just a standing proof of that so fantastic so so dirk we're coming close to the end which sucks because i'm really okay. enjoying all your stories this is so much fun and so i asked this question to all my guests so dirk what is that one standout defining moment 
that supercharged your career and helped you move towards your current success? Is it any one of the ones you've already shared or a, a different one? No, it's the one I shared. And it's basically the end of my corporate career. When, when my boss came to the table saying, I need to speak to you, and I ended up in this meeting room and he said, I have very bad news. Mm. I thought like, what's going on? And then he mm. told me, I'm not going to be able to hold, hold you on in the company. And basically, at the moment that I heard it, my world was like collapsing yeah. because I was like pampered in this corporate environment. You know, everything is taken care of for you. Yeah. And all of a sudden, you end up in reality. Yeah. And that is a wake-up call. And if there is one thing that can supercharge your career, it's the end of another career. It's, it's, the, it's, it's a kind of a devastating moment that gives you a wake-up call and that makes you think about, okay, how are we going to deal with this? How are we going? And that is such an eye-opener and it's such an energy boost that you can get from that. So if there is, um, I could shorten it by saying a negative experience can actually um, boost your future experiences. Yeah, no, and, um, you know, because you mentioned Steve Jobs, right? And another guest of mine said it, uh, you can only connect the dots backwards, right? Uh, that's mm -hmm. what Steve Jobs said at the, uh, I believe, at the Stanford inaugural address. So in hindsight you're saying that but in that moment you were you know we feel like our world is collapsing and fear. we're suddenly on our own and that fear that lizard brain it is so real and it turns out the thing that we think the thing that we thought was awful at the time turned out to be the best thing that happened to us so beautiful beautiful answer so they're fantastic so how can people learn more about you well People can get in touch with me. Uh, simply send me an email if they want yeah. to, to connect. I mean, uh, I have this uh, email address, hello at coolexpress.eu. I will you, put that in the show notes and your, and your LinkedIn profile as well. Yeah, and also on a day-to-day -day basis, I run an Instagram account. It is, mm -hmm. uh, it is closed, but uh, if you let me know that uh, you found me through this podcast, uh, I'll grant you access and my profile is called On The Move. On the move. I will put that as well. It's a private account, but you know, yep. uh, send Happy a message to Dirk. Send a message to Dirk that you heard him on the on the podcast, and he will definitely let you in. Fantastic, Dirk. This has been wow. This has been an honor, actually, and my pleasure, Sana. Yeah, I, I wish you uh, so much success from you know strength to strength with everything that you're doing in, in Cool Express. Thank um, you, and and thank you so much for your time today. Good luck with the podcast. <laughs> Thank you. So there you have it. I hope you enjoyed listening to the show. And if you did, I'd love for you to do one little thing. Go to Apple Podcasts. So that's podcast.apple.com and leave me a review. This really, really helps the discoverability of the show and can help inspire job seekers out there to find jobs and take care of their families. Can you think of anything more important right now? Hmm? I didn't think so. So thank you so much for listening. Thanks for hanging out with me today. Connect with me on LinkedIn. I'd love to get to know you and what you liked about the show. And, and perhaps if you have ideas, feel free to reach out. So take care of yourself. And until next time, bye for now.